0: Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hell mountain we can't climb babe. I got you, babe. And welcome to Groundhog Minute, the podcast where we celebrate the 1993 classic Groundhog Day,
1: one repetitive minute at a time. I'm your host Dave, and I'm your other host Sean. And back with us today is our very special guest from all kinds of wonderful podcasts, Cosmic Geppetto, Minute of Darkness. We got your, your Flash Gordon Minute. He's here. It's Brad. Welcome.
2: Hey, guys. Uh, all I can say is, as I always say, that uh, Breeze there, the man with, no so- with soul so dead who never to himself has said, this is my own, my native land. <laughs> Jesus.
1: Word well, up! Word up! Word up! You That's deep.
0: Word up! Yeah. Welcome yeah. to the show.
2: Uh, it's, uh, it's so fun to be back. I had a great time yesterday. Uh, you guys are just running a real good ship here. Uh, I'm very glad to be asked to join this. This is um, this is, I just always love this movie, and it was funny. I, I actually I saw it in theaters when it came out. And it was real weird because the advertising for it really played it up as the zany comedy stuff. And then going to see it – and it's – the closest thing I can compare the experience to is when I saw um, Galaxy Quest where it's sort of framed like a comedy. It stars comedic people and there are a lot of big laughs. But then partway through it was like, oh, crap. This is getting a lot deeper than I signed up for. Mm. And uh, – one of those and comedies don't always stick to your ribs real well. And it was a movie that you thought about for a while afterwards. And it really just fu- suddenly at some point just clicks like, Oh my God, this is not just funny. This is a brilliant movie with some incredible acting.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, that, that, that's, that's a, no, it's a good point to bring up.
1: Like you had anything to do with it. Dave.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. Uh, my checks in the mail. Uh, all right. So we are here today to talk about minute 37. Sean, give me that summary.
1: All right. Well, we start off with Rita quoting some poetry. Uh, not not as well as Brad does, but you know she 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 does her best. Uh, Phil gets a good laugh, and Larry's eyes almost pop out of his head when he sees the the tray of donuts and the array of pastries in front of him. And uh, Rita wishes everyone bon appetit.
0: Yes.
2: A a a Chris Elliott sighting, and jeez. Uh, Chris Elliott had such a weird career, uh, and I was familiar with him a little bit from when he would do recurring bits on David Letterman. Mm-hmm. But also, has did anyone see – and it came out it, – it ended just the year before this movie came out. He was on a TV show called Get a Life.
1: Get a Life. Yeah, he had his, his own show. He was the star.
2: It was such a
1: weird
2: show, and so – Ah, I, I so esoteric <laughs> and goofy, and and it's one of those weird. And this is, I think, what Chris Elliott does well: such a, uh an intriguing mix of stupid comedy and smart comedy. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's sort of what I think that's Chris Elliott's thing, where he he plays the dummy. He's not afraid to go for the the dumb joke or the stupid sight gag, but then at the same time he can do some some stuff that's sort of over your head until you think pretty hard about it, and so a lot of like belly laughs when you first see it, and then afterwards it's sort of like a little chuckle to yourself when you re- when the joke lands twenty minutes later. So uh, real, it's always good to see Chris Elliott. He, he has a unique look and a unique talent, so uh, it's not always easy to fit him into stuff.
1: Mm. Yeah. He's someone, I guess it's, it's like smart, dumb comedy or, or dumb, smart comedy. It's, it's a particular niche, but yeah, that, that get a life was a, a great series that just, you know, didn't, didn't last long enough, but he's, he's great here as Larry. Uh, he's also been, uh, you know, was, was wonderful in cabin boy, a, a, another great movie, uh, played a prominent role in CB4 and, and a bunch of other things. Uh, I'm, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big believer in the Chris Elliott. I'm a fan. Definitely.
0: I'm definitely a fan, more fan of him because of this podcast. Cause mm-hmm. I think I always had this impression. He was a goofball loser and watching these, this movie minutes that time ago, no, he's a, he's a fine blue collar cameraman who like, you know, doesn't really let things affect him. Like, you know, he more or less rolls his eyes at, at Phil and just calls him a drama queen, but like doesn't freak out or anything. And and I mean, and his reaction to the plate of food is probably what anybody's <laughs> going to be thinking of when they walk in. Because yeah. once again, we have to keep reminding ourselves to everyone else except to to Phil and us. This is their like. You know, this is the first time they're seeing Phil since yesterday, and he's not acting like he was yesterday. He he made this whole this whole just mantra of I don't want to do this. I don't want to be near you people. I don't want to be near this town. I can't wait to get out. And now, you know, Phil walks in. And he sees like the guys order the entire breakfast menu, and pastry menu. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. he doesn't know. And he's like, oh, "What do you do with all this food?" And he and that's the thing. He catches himself off. It's like we gotta the weather. We gotta to, to get ahead of the
1: storm. Yeah. Well, let's we let's we we kind of jumped ahead. <clears throat> yeah. Let's not. Uh, cross over this dramatic reading from Rita just from memory off the top of her head I I'm always impressed like I can I remember movie lines and stuff but uh I'm no good at poetry if it's (laughs) if it's not in a movie I can't I, I can't do this um but she comes out so this is uh as I'm sure Brad knows but but for the listeners that don't this is um from the the opening of the sixth canto of Sir Walter Scott's "The Lay of the Last Minstrel," and this is a a, a dramatic poem from from Sir Walter Scott that uh, it's from. It's about a a wandering minstrel who walks into I think it's a Scottish castle, and he's giving the 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 lady of the house this this long story about. Um, uh, about this war between two sides and this fight that's been going back and forth for years. And in this final part, um, they reach a point where they're asking this minstrel, like, why are you here just singing your songs for us? You could be making so much more money. You could be playing to, to larger crowds and and better audiences elsewhere. And he breaks into this stanza about, um, as, as Brad said, Uh, about uh, a man who never hath to himself hath said this is my own my native land and and that's what that's what reed is talking about that a man with a man without a home a man without his own land to to call his own um you know his his deeds his life aren't going to be marked they're not going to be remembered they're not going to be sung about he's not going to be honored and uh that's that's the picture that that Phil has painted of himself for Rita that's how she 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 sees him and and he said it he he kind of opened the door he's he's laid the groundwork for that saying you know I'm not long for Pittsburgh there's you know there's another city there's another network that's after me he's made it clear he's interested in in getting out of Pittsburgh and and now he's sowing you know to her eyes that he's not even interested in Um, You know, if he's not interested in maintaining his relationships with the folks at Channel 9 in Pittsburgh, he's not even interested in maintaining uh, a relationship with his waistline.
2: All right. It's, I tell you what, this is not an easy bit for McDowell to pull off. And, you know, we talked a little bit about yesterday where um, there's some Andy McDowell hate out there. Um, I've liked her in some movies. I've disliked her in other stuff. Uh, this is not an easy thing to pull off because you have to still be likable and you have to show that you have a point, but nobody likes somebody who recites poems to them. And especially, I I don't know, especially as a way to like denounce your behavior. It's like if someone does that to you in real life, it's like, "Eh, I think I'm going to. It, yeah, remove it's, it's myself from their presence
1: a, a, po- a lecture I'm going to lecture you about my disapproval in verse form that's not a way to win friends no
2: no <laughs> I mean it, I, well I don't think anyone ever specifically did poetry I believe I have been scolded once or time with cure lyrics and that, that irritated the hell <laughs>
0: out of me so. it's it's definitely how she starts it because it, it feels like if you were trying you know, like, she obviously knows this poem her character you know Rita knows this poem. It, it means something to her. But, you know, if I was thinking of something to say to one of you, I'd be like, I, I would kind of almost introduce it. As the famous poet, you know, so-and-so said, and then I would say the line, you know, mm-hmm. and I would kind of say it in a, um, I would almost not say it to you. I would say it kind of almost up, like I'm leaning back and I'm looking up at the stars, you know, or, or I'm like <laughs> kind of like reaching into my brain to remember it. But how she does it is, she doesn't introduce it. She just starts quote, you know, kind of. She just starts. She starts talking funny, if you will. She starts talking funny at him, like, wait, wait, what are these? These aren't yeah. regular sentences. And then, you know, to Phil, it's like dawning on him that you know either he recognizes it as not, it's not a dialogue. It's clearly a, you know, it's clearly a poem, and and her eyes kind of her eyes go down a bit, like toward his food. Uh, toward his cigarette back up Mm -hmm. to him you know we kind of stay on her
1: yeah she's she's keeping eye contact for most of it other than the little bit she kind of glances down but yeah she's looking at his eyes as she's you know know, you're reciting this this poem
0: yeah and that and i feel like that at second 18 phil has that really concerned look and right i'm not talking about like two seconds later but the look he gives her right before he cracks Mm -hmm. Is like this, you just like showed me something completely new that I was not ready for. Like he was really ready to just, you know, uh, I don't know, drink more coffee, eat more pancakes and not care. And she really gave him a reason to care about, I guess, her or at least learn about her. Because, I mean, we spoke earlier a few days ago how Phil at this point now sees people in this town possibly like play things and Mm -hmm. he will we'll see if he acts like that later in this film again but this is one of the first times i think he's kind of going oh crap like no she's a person she has something to bring to the table outside of this little town and her little all her little funny hicks sayings about oh look at the cute people and this and that she just you know drops this bomb on me it's almost kind of like he has to crack because he doesn't want to he almost, he doesn't want to show her how much she just got to him in that moment, you know, even though, even though the day's going to reset in this, for, in this one moment, he needs to kind of put this like guard up like, oh, no, 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 I'm not ready for that. No, 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 no. That's how I see it as.
2: It's funny because this is sort of the continuation of what you saw when he first saw Annie McDowell's character at the station and he saw her sort of playing with the special effects, the, the, mm-hmm. the, the cloud special effects. You can just see in that one little moment he was charmed by her, and I don't think you've seen another moment of his. The fact that she sort of gets around the Bill Murrayness of the Phil character and sort of strikes a chord with him, and you see just a little bit of that again. Um, and it's a good, and it's a good thing to do. Where okay, Bill Murray's is being a jerk because that's what he does, and he's really leaning into the jerkiness right now because he realizes he can do whatever he wants, but it's good. Just that little reminder. It's like, Oh, she's going to, she still connects with him a little bit. So it doesn't feel too abrupt where in, in the second act of the movie, where he's trying to win her over, you, you see where it comes from. And it's a good thing that they're, they lay that track and they're still laying more track down. So it doesn't feel too out of left field.
0: Sean what's your take on when he says that line well oh, I love poetry do you feel that Phil as a young student did actually study such stuff
1: oh no <laughs> not at all I don't get okay. that impression I think um yeah, I, I think there is a moment of surprise I think there is a moment of genuine um well a, a double surprise one that um that rita's showing a little bit of substance and a little bit of depth that that he didn't expect because going back and it's kind of one of my my favorite little moments in the beginning of the film that that you bring up brad when she's yeah in front of the the blue screen kind of playing with the special effects and yeah he he thinks she's kind of cute um he's a little bit amused because she's amused by the technology, the the stuff that he uses every day for his job, that he's completely unimpressed with, that he's just bored with, because he he does it every day. But she thinks it's neat. But you know that's but it's the same way if it was a child that was wandering into a TV studio for the first time that was amazed by the cameras and the lights and everything that he thinks it's cute. But um, you know it doesn't quite impress him the way this does. And I say doubly surprised because he, he well, I guess to say he doesn't expect a surprise is sort of a tautology. It's like, well, it, yeah, if you expected it, it wouldn't be a surprise. But, you know, he's, the whole point is he's reached a place where he's reliving the same day over and over again. So he thinks he knows everything that's going to happen. Mm. So for him to be surprised is surprising. You know, hes he's like, wait, what? You know, maybe I, you know, even within this repetitious loop, maybe something's going to come out that I didn't see coming. Um, But I think there's just a flash of that. There's just that serious look he gives her. And then, you know, as soon as she says, Sir Walter Scott, then he thinks of the Willard Scott thing. And then it's, you know, he's back to the old Phil. He's back to bad Phil and he's making fun. I don't think there's, I didn't take anything seriously about that. I love poetry. I think he's just setting it up. He's like gonna be appreciative and then he's gonna knock it down with okay. with the following sentence. What did you what did you think, Dave? Did you think you think maybe there's there's some poetry in Phil's past? It's
0: it's really it's honestly it's really difficult to think that he really would have honestly read that. I feel like poetry is definitely for the person who can be patient. They can read. They can read it over again, and they mm-hmm. can say, you know, it took me about ten times to understand this poem. But now that I've read it, or I've read the rest of this certain author's, this this um, this writer's work, I can really appreciate that. I don't see that with Phil. I definitely Phil see Phil, and if he's in an English or a Lit class, he's definitely looking up. Um, you know, he's definitely like looking at the corners of the book. He's writing in the corners how dumb this sounds. He's you know trying to find the the shortened version of a Shakespeare play so he can get the gist and get the Oh, okay yeah I get it. they love each other okay yada 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 done I that's how I see Phil he, as he's a Cliff
2: Notes guy or he's def- a guy that's gotta, the word thank you <laughs> yeah.
0: Cliff Notes I don't see him so when yeah you know, when he says I love poetry I think he's if anything he's thinking about the times when he was in his English literature class le- uh, learning about Shakespeare or or um um uh tremor the other poet who's the other oh my god walt, walt whitman that's the other guy i was thinking mm-hmm. of. when he was thinking about them <laughs> and how like oh yeah this guy he wrote a whole one whole book and this and then i think he's like thinking it, laughing himself about how how uh how that all sounded to him when he was, when he was a student and that but that she went the other direction how she was like oh i want to learn more about this i want to read more about them i want to Uh, bank this in memory where she does even flinch when she thinks about the poem. As I said, like me, even, you know, a few times when I'm quoting a movie, you know, I could say the quote right to somebody and not even like pretend like I had to think of it. Like, Oh bam, I got it right there. I got that movie quote. That's perfect for whatever scene or situation we're in. Um, But yeah, I feel like a poem, you would kind of have to like kind of reach up in your brain Kind of like get a was that was it the right one? Yeah, that's the right one. And then and then kind of say it. And, and as I said, introduce it. Whereas yeah, she's like looking right at him and just goes right into it without any preamble. Um, really shows that she, you could tell she's had the patience to read, study, and know exactly what it means, and it's perfectly you know uh, applicable here to Phil.
1: The, yeah, the, I mean... The, we'll, oh, go ahead, Brad. The
2: most pretentious thing i've ever done and it actually ties into a conversation from yesterday we were talking about how i had a co-worker who knew a little bit and turns out her husband left him for, uh, left her for a ex-girlfriend i reconnected with on facebook and i said it's like yeah that's what i learned you know if you an ex-girlfriend sends you a friend request on facebook don't do it <laughs> and an ex-girlfriend actually sent me a friend sent me a message he sent me a message on facebook i'm like oh crap <laughs> and I, I went to my wife I'm like hey i want you to know that this is the email i received on facebook and this is the reply i don't want there to be any surprises <laughs> and, and and this was not a thing of an a, an old flame showing her on you know pledging her on dying love or anything like that it was a very innocuous thing but it just made me wildly uncomfortable and I replied to her, and I said, it's like, listen, I wish you all the best, but I'm not in a place to reopen communications, and good luck, I'm not trying to be a jerk. And then I ended it with a quote from a song lyric by Joni Mitchell, her song Case of You.
0: <laughs> I thought you just said you don't like it when people quote song lyrics at you and now you're d- oh my god Brad, this is why
2: no. because I did it and I realized like oh crap oh. I'm an a-hole oh my <laughs> I was like no what, it, 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 I don't know why I did it I, I, and afterwards it was like it was the most pretentious thing I ever did is like what sort of a-hole would do that and that's when I was like well never again <laughs> Oh. So yes. So it, it, it's uh, and again, that's why I, I that's why what she did. You give Andy McDowell a lot of credit for. She was able to make this scene work, and you don't come across disliking her, and you still sort of want. And it's not even that you want Phil to get together with her because he's not good enough for her yet. Right. And you want him to you know sort of show the you know, see the error of his ways and become a good enough guy and that's not always the case with Bill Murray. I'm thinking of Stripes where Bill Murray was a jerk at the beginning of Stripes and he was a jerk at the end of Stripes and when he got <laughs> to hook up with yeah. Sean Young he was like, "Yeah, you go Bill Murray, you hook up with a chick that's way too hot for you." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you don't feel that way in this. It's like I, I I it would have been disappointing if the next scene would have been him you know, laying in bed, having a post colloidal cigarette with Andy McDowell. That would have been, you would have been disappointed in both of
0: them. <laughs> Sean, I want to I ask you a question on more a production thing. And this is more, I don't think you're going to have the answer for it, but I kind of want to just kind of bring it up. Right, Do you I'll think make... when they were scheduling this movie and they said, okay, we're going to film all these scenes here and all these scenes there, do you think they filmed a lot of the diner and I guess even bed and breakfast scenes on days where the weather wasn't the ideal one that they wanted for that day? Like, I mean, obviously they want to schedule because you have a lot of extras and a lot of planning. Mm-hmm. But like, let's say they were going to film outside that day like, and they were, they were going to film maybe a pickup shot or something down the street and they go, oh, the weather just doesn't look good that day do you do they decide to like do they keep the extras around and say all right everyone we're gonna film a dine the diner scenes instead like what do you you know what i'm saying like because of this as as they want to look the they want the town to look exactly mm-hmm. the same every time they they film it and if it does it this day where it's like oh, it's too sunny today it looks way too sunny we gotta make it we gotta wait till it gets cloudy again let's film an indoor scene what's what do you take on that
1: yeah, yeah, I, I I think you're uh, you, you're on you're onto to something there. You're barking up the uh, the right track. Both both Ramus and uh, Tobolowski have have talked about this, and and uh, uh, Stephen Tobolowski's talked about his experience making this film, particularly uh, on his podcast, um, the Tobolowski Files, which is a wonderful podcast that I suggest uh, people check out. But yeah, so they've both talked about how they. They do, you know, when they make a movie, they do several takes of each scene and you want things to be consistent. And if you're filming outside, you want if there's snow on the ground, if it's raining, if it's sunny, however the weather is, you want it consistent for all those takes. And then for this particular movie, you've got the added complication of multiple scenes that are supposed to be the same day. So it isn't just the first time Phil walks you know, walks down the street and he sees Ned and he goes to Gobbler's Knob. Then there's the next day and the next day and they all have to be the same day and they all need the uh, the weather to be the same and you know down to yeah, is it windy? Is it sunny? So they yeah so so Ramus kind of the the production kept everyone on standby all the time and so this would apply to. Any of the identifiable extras, the folks that you see in the background that have to be the same. There's one guy, I mean, there's the the bit players like um, like Gus and Ralph and, and Nancy that aren't necessarily part of this scene, but they're in the background. But there's there's the guy in the red hat that's in the booth behind, kind of across from Nancy. And I think it's eventually the booth where, uh, where Phil will, will sit Rita down much later in the movie. But for now, there's a guy in a red hat. who was in this booth and he was in that booth. I think it was uh minute 26, 27 was the last time they were in the diner and that same guy in the red hats there. So yeah, they kind of kept, they kept everyone on call at all times. And depending on the weather, they may jump outside to do, you know, Phil and Ned walking down the street. And then if the weather wasn't good, then yeah, then they'd come inside and do something like here in the diner or do a scene, um you know back at the the bed and breakfast or something so
0: yeah the yeah. reason the reason i bring it up is like i said i can't prove it but like at the window right behind phil around second 44 it, you know it, I'm not saying that's rain on the window but it looks like dried rain like dried water rain uh on, yeah, on yeah. the window behind him and i'm saying like i'm not saying it is raining outside but you know it possibly could and they're just like oh it's rainy we we can't film outside cuz it never rained on Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. Right. It's only, if anything, it's only wet. Uh, probably in the morning, if you notice, like when he's walking down the street. A lot of times, when he does the step into the puddle and stuff, a lot of those shots were um, they had like water, you know, like uh, water on the sidewalks and stuff. But overall, it's not been rainy in the town.
1: Yeah, I was wondering because I was going back again. It was like minute, like ver- the very end of twenty six, mostly at twenty seven. The last time they were in the cafe and it looks sunny um there's not too many shots of phil where you can see the window behind him but just the lighting in the diner it looks like a sunnier day whereas yeah in this minute i it's i don't think i'm pretty sure it's not raining now but i had the same thought where the windows kind of streaked it looked like maybe it just stopped raining or, or recently um, and it's a little darker outside, but yeah, yeah, so that's the kind of stuff they had to, you know, you get, you got to deal with when you're, when you're filming on location and, and outside and whatnot. Well, it's funny, the, the
2: production question that I had, or the production thought I had is like, this must've been a brutal scene for Murray to film because any scene where you're eating and drinking is miserable mm-hmm. for an actor because they must've done a thousand takes of him <laughs> Just shoving food in his face and i and I, i've never i i've never done film work i've never acted on film but i've read enough and heard enough interviews where the last thing you want is to have a scene where you're eating something because they're gonna have 20 takes and god forbid bill murray had to <laughs> shove that uh piece of pastry piece into of his cake. mouth
1: yeah he- yeah, the the one thing, one of the things I've learned from listening to to actors and stuff, listening to commentary commentary tracks and interviews, and you know, one tip they say is, yeah, if you're eating in a scene, take a small bite, like that first take, because if you take a big bite, then you've got to do that same big bite every single take to keep it consistent. And then yeah, like you said, he goes he goes beyond the the, the big bite. He shoves the whole. uh the whole cake and i wonder you know I'm, I'm i wonder if that was kind of a a little homage or, or call back to uh john belushi in animal house oh where yeah. he's like just stuffing stuff in in his face that kind of move where he stuffs that whole piece of cake in but yeah so how uh, hopefully they got that right if not the first take but but <laughs> quickly um yeah Though, though ramus does say he did say in the commentary track that um bill made himself sick eating all the food for for this scene.
2: It must have been a terrible day for everyone to be involved with because my understanding (laughs) is Bill Murray wasn't in a great mood at the best of times. It's like, hey, let's stuff him with food while we're at and see what happens. He he must have been a nightmare to deal with that day. Oh,
0: also, also, we, we we mentioned it yesterday, but he's got that cigarette and he's not really ashed it and there's nowhere to ash on this table. It's all filled with food. So, yeah. like, God forbid you get a little ash on your eggs and don't notice it. You're like, oh, I can't eat these eggs right now because I got ash on them. <laughs> and he's... Just, yeah, I mean, like, Phil, the character, doesn't care. But Bill Murray, the actor, sure doesn't want to eat a piece of cake <laughs> with, with cigarette ash on it.
2: Well, I, you know, it's funny. Uh, and it's a far enough of a faraway shot that you can't tell. A pet peeve of mine, when I see... Uh, someone smoking on a, a TV show or movie is watching the ash levels on their <laughs> cigarette. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you'll see it's like, okay, the, the cigarette's like obviously halfway burned down this one and the next scene it's obviously a fresh cigarette or there's a quarter inch of ash and the next scene there's a half inch of ash and it's like, yeah. what are you doing? That's That cigarette's just going backwards and forwards and tying. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I I'm, I'm sure it's 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 hell on on continuity. They do a pretty good job. They don't well we don't see him drag on it much. We see him light it. We don't see him take too many drags, so there shouldn't be a lot of ash. And then a lot of the close-ups is just kind of him shoulder up or elbow up where you don't even see the cigarette. I think there's kind of two times we see it and both it's kind of just it's a little bit of ash but not a lot. So it's hard to tell. But that's probably it's probably easier to keep it. Like, a little bit of ash you can do consistently. A lot of ash is probably harder to do because you always risk, as he's moving his hands around, as he talks, it may just fall off. Yeah. Right. Uh,
0: and there, that milkshake will be ruined if if such it falls in.
1: <laughs> oh.
0: All right. So let's roundabout. We get back to our boy, Chris Elliott, now. He was walking in. He's amazed by the amount of food. Yeah, and, you so... Know, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm sorry. yeah. he flicks his eyes. I wanted to say he flicks his eyes outside, flicks his eyes back down to look at the tray. So goes, the weather, the, the donuts. He's just amazed.
1: Well, yeah, because Phil's been so insistent on how quick they want to get out of town, and he's been out kind of getting the van ready just just at Phil's assistance, and, and then he comes in, and the guys order, you know, <laughs> everything on the menu, it seems like, including there's the... Um, you know, as 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 Larry's walking in, we get a good shot of the. I don't know; these are probably people waiting for a table behind him, and we see some of the stuff on the wall. I mean, you've, uh, Dave, you mentioned that the Steelers pennant up there—that I, I think I had the same pennant in um, in my bedroom growing up. I kind of first became aware of professional sports in the late '70s, and that the you know I, I I wasn't from the Pittsburgh area, but the Steelers were ripping off. Uh, Four Super Bowls in six years, so it was an easy <laughs> team to 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 root for if you had no one else going on but uh I like the the groundhog breakfast special for a dollar ninety nine and it looks like looks like it's a two 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 it's like two pancakes, two strips of bacon, two eggs, juice, and coffee for a buck oh, ninety nine that's like, a
0: good deal I like
1: that you yeah you you oh, can't yeah. beat that.
2: that that that's your every weekend place to go for for for, for breakfast at that rate. Yeah. Uh, um here's a question. I'll do you guys have a favorite diner?
0: Oh man. oh he's doing he's triggered. All it. right.
1: Uh, <laughs> All right, get comfortable folks. Here comes the diner talk.
0: <laughs> uh do I I used to. I used to have a diner, but it's not a, it's it changed hands, changed owners. So, um I don't no, nah, I guess I don't have a favorite diner anymore, but the one up the street for me is nice. It just it's just not um the two there's two diners but the one that's really nice all it closes at 11 and the other one is pretty decent and that's open all 24 hours so uh, that's pretty good as I said my friends don't really live near me I live a little far away so we try to meet somewhere usually for breakfast if we' if we're getting if we're meeting up somewhere um Sean what do you got
1: yeah so I grew up um the the main diner I think my my, my favorite as, as a kid was the blue fountain. Um, and that was, um, I think it's in Piscataway, but across the street, it's right across the street from Middlesex Mall, which is in South Plainfield. And and growing up, they, they don't have a theater anymore; it closed years ago. But that's where we used to go to see Rocky Horror Midnight Fridays and Saturday nights. Oh, and then, nice! Then after the show, we cross we would cross the street and go to the, the Fountain Blue. Um, Though was weird, at some point they. That's got they well they tore it down, and they built a new diner on the same exact spot, but and they changed the name instead of the um, instead of the Blue Fountain Diner, it became the Fountain Blue. Mm. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) That's
0: so dumb. That's so. That's so. Just, just do it. Do it. Do it. Some of the diners around me do. Just name it after the highway you're on. What highway we on? Are you, are you on Eagle Road? You're the Eagle Diner. Are you on Are you yeah. on Route 25? The yeah. Route 25
1: Diner. Or we in there like the you know so the <laughs> the Edison Diner's one we hit a lot and then uh the, well the other favorite growing up that's no there that's not there anymore was uh the Riverview Diner on River on River Road. And the the interesting thing about that is so that was right across the street from the Union Carbide plant. That was on River Road in Piscataway. And that closed down because years later, it turned out that Union Carbide was dumping all that crap across the street, right along, uh, that was right along the river, Raritan River there. And the diner was basically built on a toxic waste site. (laughs) Your diner was basically a carcinogen. <laughs> basically, on top of everything we were eating and smoking while in the diner, the 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 literal ground that the diner was built on was killing us as well, and so that place had to close down. Hey, are these um, eggs
0: looking more green than usual? Yeah.
1: So uh, yeah, so my my favorite diners are no longer there. Um, but Brad, so where do you go? Where's your hangout spot? One you of your favorite diners? You know,
2: the one that uh, when I was in high school, I, I grew up um, in this town, uh, Limerick, Pennsylvania. It's about a half uh, 45 minutes outside of Philly. And what people may not understand if they don't live near Philly is Philadelphia is a huge city with a ton of people. But you get a half hour and all of a sudden it's the sticks. Mm-hmm. And growing up in that Limerick area, there was just nothing to do. So if you were – a bunch of teenage guys with nothing to do. It, 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 we would go and we would see a movie. We saw a ton of movies because there was like a $2 movie theater near us. And then it was like, what are we doing now? I was like, well, I guess we're going to go to Limerick Diner. And it was a great hole-in-the-wall diner. And I remember we would go there. The food was fine. The surface was fine. It was clean enough. And we would just sort of sit there for an hour. And then it was like, well, what do we do now? And the only thing we could think to do... Is It's like, well, there's absolutely nothing to do. Why don't we go – we would buy cheap cigars at the diner, and then we would get in our car and just drive around smoking these cigars, trying desperately hard not to inhale at all because we would throw up if we did that. <laughs> and we are just stare smoking cigars. It's like, this doesn't make us cool, does it? Like, not even a little bit. But it was just like that was the only thing to do because the Limerick Diner was the only place – open for 16 17 18 year old kids because we were mm-hmm. too young for bars we already saw a movie at the, you know and it would always be the guys who didn't have girlfriends it was like right. it would always be like you usually be three or four of us and we would rotate out because whoever had the girlfriend all of a sudden they had something to tr- to do well yeah <laughs> or at least try to do yeah, uh, so it'd be the rest of the guys in there's like well Let's let's go get a cigar at Limerick Diner. So, And uh, it, there's a couple – I live in Shrewsbury, PA now, which has a couple of small diners. Um, we're we're going to be moving soon, and we're going to be within walking distance of one. And uh, we're, my wife's like, why don't we try to do the diner now? And our kids are just old enough now where we think we can do breakfast at a diner without them, I don't know, making us crazy because mm-hmm. – the people with kids, there's that phase where you don't know if the kid's going to blow up or not. And I've had too many meals where it was either me or my wife taking one of the kids outside to throw a fit and then coming back in. And it's – that sucks. That's all of a sudden why Five Guys becomes your favorite place to eat for a two-year period because <laughs> cause Five Guys, who cares if the kids are screaming, throwing a fit and throwing <laughs> stuff on the floor? That's like the point of Five Guys. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah, man. I think all time favorite would have to be Limerick Diner and uh, not because the food was great. It was OK. It was just it was the place to go and you could be there until 1230 in the morning. It, that's it's a 24 hour diner. And uh, that can be very uh, that could be a nice place to sort of hold up.
0: Just give the, I don't know, just give the kid creamer packets. I feel like that that kept me occupied a lot of times I was a child, at the diner, just <laughs> drinking, the, just drinking the creamer packets, playing. Poking the creamer packets. I feel like you know, just give the kids. Just it's it. You sit down, give them a play mat, crayons, uh, a couple packs of butter, and uh, and some creamers. And all you got to do is just wipe up afterwards. But they'll it's, they'll be content.
2: It's a that's the problem with twins. It works well with one and not for the other. It's like uh, damn
1: it. Uh, <laughs> they don't keep each other occupied or entertained. They keep each other pissed off. Oh
0: no. <laughs>
2: Especially, we have, uh, I have three kids. I have an eight-year-old named Chase and uh, six-year-old twins, Logan and London, and they're boy-girl mm-hmm. twins. And my my younger son's favorite thing is just to see how close he can sit to my daughter and how long it takes for her to scream at him to knock it off.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a classic game. That's a classic Ugh. sibling game. How he, far can I push it to, to, to piss my sister off? <laughs>
2: Oh, he, you know, kids actually do the thing. is like, I'm not touching you. And I just look back and there he is with his hand, a micro. Like, one micron away from her face is like, hi, London. It's like, ah, oh, good Lord. She's going to kick his rear end one of these days. You're like, does this diner serve
0: booze? Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, so there you have it.
0: Worst case you get you tell the you worst case you tell the waitress you may need a doggy bag.
2: Mm. We've done <laughs> that. We've done that. So we there there certainly have been plenty of meals that we order it at the restaurant thinking we're going to eat at the restaurant and turns out that just ends up being dinner later that night. Mm-hmm. So, <sighs> yeah, it's uh and, and you know what they did a good job on the set of setting up this diner in the in the movie cuz it looks like that small town diner. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um and we're going to talk a little bit about it tomorrow. Um there's a, this is and I know the movie wasn't filmed in Pennsylvania or most of it wasn't filmed in Pennsylvania. It was in filmed in Woodstock, Illinois. Yep. Correct. Yep. And but they do a good job of making it feel like Pennsylvania and I I know these there's diners like this everywhere, but it it did look like that small town. Not too clean, not too dirty diner that isn't a chain. And it just, you know, it's a place where you can sort of feel, you, you feel just a little sticky when you leave it because there's grease in the air. <laughs> but that's also what makes the food better. So oh, yeah. it, 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 they did a good job of setting this up. And it, it couldn't have been easy it, filming in a restaurant. I know it must be challenging because you don't want it to be a real restaurant because real restaurants are designed to... Fill up as much of space as possible. You don't want a bunch of walk around area because you want as many people in as possible. So they they had to set it up so they could film around it while still looking like a crowded diner. So, they, they did a good job with that.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. So, all right,
0: all right. Well, so like I said we, we I, I you know I I wanted to name drop the doggy bag because <laughs> you know Rita's ready to go. You know yeah. she's she's just like I, I think at, at this point she's kind of like what do you want to i'll leave right now if you're saying you're getting a taxi home i feel like that's the that's what she's trying to say when she says bon appetit i feel like what do you think because i I, I don't know like her and larry are pretty ready to go yeah and she's like well i don't want to tell you phil like we're ready to go if you're gonna sit here and eat enjoy it so yeah maybe she's like maybe he'll catch the next bus to pittsburgh like maybe she's like, whatever. I'm I'm more than happy to go. And I'll just let I'll let I'll let the studio know. He'll be back later.
1: Yeah. So so Rita and Larry are ready to go, and I I think we're ready to go as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, that about wraps it up on a minute thirty seven. Um, yeah. So so Brad, why don't you tell our listeners one more time if they want to hear more of your. Your insightful in-depth diner analysis where can they <laughs> diner find talk
2: with brad <laughs> mendenhall god i don't need another podcast uh <laughs> we uh, the mothership show is the cosmic geppetto podcast it's a uh, pop culture show where we're talking about movies comics uh books music basically anything that we feel like we have an amazing panel of uh re- re- recurring uh re- recurring panelists Uh, of which uh, Dave and Sean are both members of. We've uh, brought them in uh, several times. We've also, uh, Duke's lots of fun stuff. We've sort of started doing little mini radio plays every now and then that uh, Sean and uh, Dave have both been parts of and both did fantastic work for. Um, It's a great show. Uh, We have a great time and we've had some uh, fantastic guests. Uh, Everyone, and it's, Sort of like the people who help make fun stuff fun, but not the big names. It's sort of the the, the, the working class groups. Uh, we had uh, recently, we not too long ago, we had Robin Paris, who was a supporting actor in The Room, Tommy Wiseau's <laughs> notoriously good, terrible yeah. movie. Yeah, and um, Robin was amazing, and it's great talking to someone who just saw that disaster unfold while it occurred. <laughs> uh, and and We've had neat guests like that, and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we also are part of the Minute by Minute world. Uh, we did Minute of Darkness, which where we talked minute by minute about the classic Sam Raimi movie, Army of Darkness. And uh, we also are right now in the process of uh, releasing Flash Gordon Minute, where we talk about the 1980 cult uh, classic film, uh, Flash Gordon, Sam Jones, uh, just doing his darndest. God bless <laughs> Sam Jones uh, as Flash Gordon. And uh, it, it's it, that's been a real, uh, a, a, a really cool adventure. We've been having uh, so much fun talking about that. So uh, everything's available on iTunes, and we have our Facebook pages, which you can find. And uh, we recommend everyone try it out, but, uh, you know, I am having a great time guesting with you guys. This has been uh, a fun uh, minute thirty-seven, and uh, thank you so much for
1: having me.
0: Oh, oh we're no! Glad to have you on. Anyway. Yeah,
1: yeah. Thank, thank you. And and actually, if you can, we'd yes. like to to hold on to you for one more minute, if we could.
2: You you, you couldn't stop me. I'm really looking forward to minute thirty-eight. <laughs> uh, we we get to see the 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 next domino fall in Phil's behavior, and uh, <laughs> it's you just know when bill murray gets a sort of look on his face and he's up to no good and uh it, it's pretty great <laughs>
0: yes well yes brad thank you for being on and listeners thank you for being here with us and uh we're want to thank you for being here with us today and that is it for us thank you very much we will see you tomorrow if there is
1: one bon appetit
0: yeah come on brad eat some of this
2: It's too long Cause I don't care With
0: you I can't do wrong